Live from Alachua, Florida, I'm Amrita Kaley. And I'm Nam Amrita. Welcome to Nectar Talks from the heart of New Raman Reiti, the largest Hare Krishna community in North America and the home of thousands of bhakti yoga practitioners. In our ongoing interviews, we dig deep into our search for loving connections with Krishna and each other. With you, we hope to uncover the real-life stories and inner journeys of our vibrant community of friends and special guests. Like bees searching for nectar, we seek to extract pearls of wisdom from how they live their lives and the lessons they can impart to us and our listeners. If you're seeking nectar, look no further. All right, let's get started. Hare Krishna, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for a special episode of Nectar Talks. We have our wonderful guest, Shankar Prabhu. Um, Shankar Prabhu moved to Alachua in 2010, and he's very well loved for his incredible cooking and his passion for gardening around the community. And he's also really well known for serving Srila Prabhupada and having some really humorous stories with Srila Prabhupada in Juhu in Mumbai. Um, Shankar Prabhu, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really, really excited to hear from you. How are you? Well, I am doing very well, actually, aside from having both stage four prostate cancer metastasizing and other ailments going along with the blast radiation and hormones therapy that I have. Other than that, I am in good spirits. I'm happy. I've gotten my calling like Maharaj Pritchett got seven days. I got who knows, you know, but I have a mission and my mission is to make sure that Prasadam distribution goes on. And that's what my focus is. And what I do, I'm not like most cooks. I do the whole shebang. I plant the seed. I water it. As it's growing, I preach to it, talk to it, sing to it, water it, fertilize it. And then the product is offered to Krishna now to the first Prabhupada story. In 1975, I wanted to ask Prabhupada a question. I had this question, and I never really asked him a question yet. I've known him for a while. So anyways, I waited till the evening, and I went to his quarters and in this room was 25, 30 devotees and guests sitting there listening while Prabhupada was elaborately speaking from the Bhagavad Gita. And then I was waiting there in the back of the room waiting for a pause or asking a question or something. I don't know what transpired, but I got to ask my question. And I said, Srila Prabhupada, can I ask you a question? And Prabhupada's reply was, yes. Just like that, slurred on. I said, oh my Lord, I hope this is good. If he's going to get me on something. So I said, Srila Prabhupada, what is the benefit of all the flowers we offer to Krishna? Now, that's an intelligent question. It's not dumb. That's a firm pujari, someone making garlands and growing flowers. It'd be nice to know what happens to the flowers, right? You know. So I thought I would justify by asking this question. 
Now, Srila Prabhupada's response, he said, quote, word for word, every flower you offer to Krishna or to your spiritual master, the plant the flower came from becomes a human being in his next life. And then why do you think I see with my wisdom and my understanding of life being 73 year old and gone through the whole shebang, everything from rape all the way to Vietnam and through the whole, everything you can imagine. And Krishna consciousness, I have to say, has saved me. It saved me from going down to a hellish condition that doesn't warrant me speaking anything about my hellish conditions that I've gone through, but I'm rather speak of the good things in my life, all the positive things, like my association with Sri Prabhupada and back to this story about the flowers. So I, I think about the first generation, you know, and we all, all of us, we, what? I just wanted to say, I'd never heard that, that every flower you offer, mm. the plant that it came from, becomes a human being i mean yeah so this is why i am so meticulous about like i was telling you i do the whole shebang i plant the seed i water it i nurture it it grows the flower is offered to krishna the plant becomes who what kind of human being being a rose in krishna's hair what kind of what kind of human being is that and i see it right there in front of me the second and third generation Hare Krishna devotee. As far as I'm concerned, us first generation, we did the deed. We did it. We went to the garbage bin. We picked out the rotten fruit. We stole flowers. <laughs> we did everything we could possibly do and offered everything to Krishna with love and devotion. And as a result of our transpiring in Krishna consciousness, the whole second generation was manifest. And then so many things, I'm not going to go into that either, but the second generation was mistreated and gone through some things that they shouldn't have gone through as children of Krishna. It hurts me to hear what they, what you all did to them and everything, but we're not going there today. We're going to talk about the good things of Krishna consciousness. Like everybody, you know, is so... Anaminated um, by name, fame, adoration, and distinction. Isn't it? Everybody's using leadership. You know, you look at them in their different ways, you know, in just subtle ways or little ways. It's that name, fame, adoration, distinction. I was, I've been a devotee for 51 years, and my whole career in Krishna consciousness, I never had that name, fame, adoration, or distinction until I was invited to the 40th anniversary of the opening of the Bombay Temple. And as a result of that, they paid for my ticket there. So I said, okay, I'll roll with this. I'm gonna tell you the story because it leads into another Prabhupada story. So there yes, I am. I landed in Bombay and wherever it is, there they are, the kirtan, you know, the garland, you know, the offering of the feet. And I said, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> this is, well, okay, Krishna. I said to Krishna, I said, okay. I'm going to accept name, fame, adoration, and distinction. I'm going to accept it. I'm just going to do it. So I went along with the 
that whole inter whole introduction with them and everything and getting my quarters and everything. The next day was Rafiatra. Now this was the biggest Rafiatra I have ever been in in my and I've cooked for every Rafiatra in Florida and in Puerto Rico and so forth with Vajra. And this Rafiatra goes beyond. Anyway, there was literally tens and tens of thousands and thousands of people in this Rathiatra. These were the big, big carters, bigger or bigger, or as big as the ones in London and New York. These were huge carts. And there were so many, like thousands of people in between each cart. And the procession went for six and a half kilometers, going at a snail's pace. <laughs> and thousands and thousands of people in between each cart. Because there I am in the bath by Father Dave's cart walking in the back, and then it happened again. They came up to me and said, probably, would you like to leave Kirtan for Barbara? I said, it's name, fame, adoration, pretty cool. I like it in the way to see if it happens. So I got out there and I let her rip roaring Kirtan, the old style for half hours, everybody mm -hmm. jumping and rolling. So, making a long story short, I pulled Balaram's car, and then it took me about an hour to get the Subai driver's car going through thousands of people trying to but holding myself, not, not knowing to steal my money or passport. So finally, I pulled Subai driver's car, then I got driving that car. So then I got back to Subai driver's car, and I was walking with Subai driver's car, and five hours have already gone by of this Rafi. I was still going on. We haven't finished the six and a half kilometers yet. So... It happened again. They came up to me and they said, Prabhu, would you like a seat at Subai Traskar? I said, okay. I put, so I guess you want to call it a Biatasan or a seat or something. But I was right in front of Subai Traskar. I mm -hmm. turned my head and it was only like eight inches from her, from her form, you know. And I'm looking, oh, wow, you know. So I sat the rest <laughs> of the Rathiatra. On Subai Drive Cotton. And I'm telling you, this main fame adoration and distinction seems to be pretty far up. And then the big thing happened. We got to the pavilion. Rathiatra finally ended after hours and hours and hours and hours of roaming along. <laughs> finally, we got to the pavilion. There was a big, huge pavilion. Thousands of people were gathering in there. So now this is a very, very, very I guess I had um, television and movie stations, you know, I don't know from where or what, you know, but there was, I, there was also ITV, you know, Bombay, you know. Anyways, there was all these things there, and there was a parliament lady who was, uh, you know, and also, uh, you know, a very, I forgot what her position was. But anyways, you had all these people anyway. So I'm walking around. In this pavilion, you know, and they had been serving up for thousands, 20,000 people they cook one time. Anyways, I'm walking around and finally the guy gets up on the podium and he says, now we would like all the devotees who helped build this Bombay temple to come up and sit in front here. We have a nice place for you. And it was cool. I mean, they had lounge chairs and, you know, it was kind of nice, you know, sitting there, you know. This is my first experience with this. I never had this. You know, seeing the big things with the microphones and the lights and, you know, and the cameras, you know, and, 
And I was like, boy, it's big. I'm mean, how many people in the world are watching this? Anyway, it was really far off. So then everybody started to speak. Then the, the narrator went on, and then the police chief and the mayor. And, you know, it was going on and on. And then Gopal Krishna gets up on the podium. He says his thing. And then they will have got Takamaraj, and he says his thing. And then the narrator comes on and says, now we would like all of you devotees who helped build the temple to come up here on the stage and say some number to create a Bible the building of this temple. So I, went, <laughs> so I went up there and I sat in mean, the I mean, I think I was second or third, fourth one, whatever to speak. You know, I'm sitting there looking at this crowd. And there was 10, 15,000 people out there and all this life and everything. You know, I've never been on television or in the media in any way like this. I thought, oh my Lord. And I'm thinking, what story am I going to tell the world at this moment? That's not going to make Prabhupada look like a fool or anything. You know? <laughs> but what story am I going to tell? And finally, it was my turn. And they said, now, Shankaradash, we do tell a remembrance of Prabhupada. And I got the story, and here's the story. I forgot, it was in the 74, 75, Mother Polika was Prabhupada's cook and servant. So one day she came into the kitchen and she, uh, you know, was sick or something. And she asked me if I could go to Bhuteshwar to buy Prabhupada's roots. And of course I was overjoyed. So, oh, Krishna, I get to buy something for Prabhupada. Oh, this is so great. So I went to see Ekanathi with the treasury, gave me a big pile of money. I got in a taxi cab and I went off to Bhuteshwar. And I got the Bullish Farm Marketplace, and it was a huge marketplace. I found the fruit market, and I went inside the fruit market. And then I started buying fruits for Shira Prabhupada. And of course, I could speak a little Hindi, and I knew the money system, and I can wheel and deal and get good deals. And I'm walking around, and finally, in the middle of this fruit market was an orange vendor. And he had this big cart, and it was just completely full with a mountain of beautiful, dark orange, musumbi or oranges. And I said, Krishna, this is it. This is my, this is going to be my glorification. I'm going to buy so many oranges that Prabhupada can have orange juice every day while, I'm, while he's here. So I went up to the army, the guy there, and I said, could you give me half a taste of one of these oranges? Now, I don't know where we got the orange, but it was the sweetest, best orange I ever had. And I said, okay, so let me buy a gunny bag full of these oranges. I bought 50 kilos of oranges for Prabhupada. Got him in a taxi and sent him up farm to his kitchen, and I was in hopes and prayers that he would have his fresh orange juice every day. So three or four or five days later in the morning walk, I went on a lot of morning walks you do. Anyways, at the end of the morning walk, we were walking, you come to a cliff. And on top of the cliff, there's this big house with big picture windows. And the early morning sun was reflecting off the picture windows. So as we were approaching, getting ready to turn around, Prabhupada all of a sudden started talking about the perverted reflection 
of the material world. And he was talking like that, talking like that. And then out of the blue, he stops everybody. And he says, who has bought me these oranges? And me being, of course, a very puffed up brahmachari, I go running up to Sri Prabhupada, <laughs> right in front of Sri Prabhupada and said, I bought the oranges. <laughs> Prabhupada said, those oranges are 10th class, just like you. <laughs> and then he said, the oranges are 10th class because they were put in refrigerated during the season and froze and taken out out of season and they're 10th class. So there it was. So that's the story I told the whole world. Now, it, it was a nice story, wasn't it? It didn't make Prabhupada look like a fool or anything. It made me look like a fool. Right. You know, so I, that respect, I'm very happy with that story. But anyways, after I got back to the Latua, I went up in front of Krishna and Balaram, who I consider Yogeshwara, the supreme mystic. I said, Yogeshwara, supreme mystic. Uh, I don't want it. I don't want one iota ounce of name, fame, adoration in this thing. I want none of it. Ever, ever again. None of it. I don't want it. It's useless. It's pointless. It just leads to nothing but it just, it's useless for me. Maybe for all of you, you like it and you can enjoy it with it. Not me. I am me. I'm 73 years old. I'm wise. I've been there and done everything you can imagine. So, my friends, story, another story, which is, which, is, which is because I know you're all hearing so much about the aliens coming in Roswell and people seeing UFOs, okay. So in 1976 in Hyderabad, India, on the farm, we were on a morning walk and a devotee asked Srila Prabhupada, he said, Srila Prabhupada, can I ask you a question? And Prabhupada said, yes. And the Prabhupada said, what do we do when we see a UFO? And Srila Prabhupada said, you run! <laughs> so in other words, they're not friendly people. They're no one to consider, you know, oh, the world, the, 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 the new age has arrived. Yes, we all love you, we all everything. No, no, no. Anyways, that's another side of my life. That's not to be spoken right now. We're telling Powell Pilot stories. <laughs> and then I got to tell the samosa. When I die, I tell the samosa. This Please tell so the samosa story. This is so funny, the samosa story. Okay, so I was cooking in Bombay in 1974 from when I was there. And... Um, one day in a morning walk, you know, I come up and get Prabhupada's flowers. I was his flower boy. I gave him flowers. And uh, this time he asked me, he's, I'm going to tell you two stories about the cooking. He said, uh, Shankadas, how much ghee are you using? And I said, well, I'm using a kilo of ghee to cook the morning for 100 devotees, the lunch for 100 devotees, and six offerings for the day. I'm going through a, a kilo of ghee. And Prabhupada said to me, he said, that's too much. Mm -hmm. I said, what? Oh, okay, so, you know, a few days, a, a couple weeks later, he, he come up and asked me again, so I cut it in half. 
So he says, how much ghee are you using now? And I said, I'm only using a half a kilo. And then Prabhupada said, you don't know how to cook. <laughs> you know, and so I asked a sannyasi friend of mine a long time ago, I said, what's going on with that? And he said, Prabhupada, we just playing with you. That's all. So anyways, I believe it was that. But back to the samosas. So in 74, 75, I was asked to make samosas for Prabhupada. I was having some VIPs come for a program. So I had this recipe for five vegetable Gujarati samosas. So I worked this filling. I worked this filling for hours until it was just so perfect with the spicing and everything. And then I rolled out these quarries about this big, you know, and then I filled them halfway and put them over and I made these half moon samosas. I made 32 or 34 of them and sent them up to Srila Prabhupada. So three, four, five days later, I was walking, tearing my dropper, and I bumped into Brahmananda Swami. And I said, Brahmananda Swami, did Prabhupada like the samosas? And he said, Prabhupada didn't even touch them. And I was shocked. I said, but he asked me to make these things, and he didn't mind them. I, I, I was confused. And then Harvey Case, he was a Brahmacharya, and came up to me and said, he said, how would you like to help me cook Prabhupada's lunch. Oh, I said, sure, Bindi, that's good. So we went up to Prabhupada's quarters, went into his kitchen, and he had the chair thing, you know, and we, you would show me how he put the doll and the rice and the subjects there. And we were cooking and having a good old time. But before, as we're going into the kitchen, an Indian cook had already come before him because Prabhupada was having some VIPs for lunch. And he had had these trays of all kinds of Prasadam all around the big table. And he had this one tray that was filled with samosas that were like the little triangle ones that the Indians make, you know. So we're cooking, they're having a good old time, me and Harry getting. Then Prabhupada walks into the kitchen. And Prabhupada looks at me. And then he looks at Hari Kesh. And then he looks down at the plate of samosas. And then he says, Shankadas, did you make these samosas? And I said, oh no, Sri Prabhupada. Someone else came and made these samosas. And then Prabhupada said, you know, you don't know how to make samosas. You don't know how to make footballs. And everything. <laughs> he everything up. And he walked out of the room properly. And then I served them much. So that's a very funny story. Okay, so now I'll let you guys ask a question about anything in my life that you want to know about. Go ahead, yeah. Oh. You got two of you there. You should be coming up with something. You're intelligent. You got two sides of the coin there. You got the feminine energy and the male energy, but actually there's only feminine energy. Her Prakriti is only feminine, you know. I mean, we've really got a role in understanding the situation here, you know. We're all female, feminine energies, you know. Krishna is the only male, according to the scriptures that I've read, and Prakriti is feminine. So that's all because I'm doing hormone therapy, I guess it's I'm more into that realm of it, you know. 
Belated can relate to that. But anyways, you know, <laughs> I'm saying, you know, all of us, you know, we have to get into that mood that we are all subservient to him. He is our male, and we are just his companions and sons and sisters and brothers, because we all are brothers and sisters, and there's and we're all equal. And I'm going to tell, because there's a lot of people out there who are still once in a while, even devotees once in a while, you know, eating a, one of those little cream puffs, you know, with a little egg on, on it. Nah, that's all right. You know, and you, you know, sure, go right ahead. You know, but I'm telling you, there's karmic reactions for every active action that we do. And there's two sides of the coin. One side of the coin is righteous. And you don't eat anything that poops. That is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin, you eat everything that poops. Everything. Because I know from a fact that everything is eaten on this planet. So what is the reason that everybody is eating this flesh? I'm asking you to. What your opinion is on why people are doing it? Because look at this, the pandemic came, all right? The pandemic started in a slaughterhouse, outside slaughterhouse in China. A slaughterhouse, you know, blood guts all over the place. And a virus manifested itself to cause destruction and havoc to the human society because of our simple activities of eating all these things that poop. So... Me, I'm thinking, all right, I'm on Facebook. I see love, compassion, black loves black, you know, and blah, blah, every, all these things are going on, compassion, peace, love, you know. What happened? I went to wards, okay? And what did I see at wards? Mm -hmm. The line was almost outside the meat market. They didn't learn one thing at all. And I'm telling you people of the earth here, because I don't know what I am. I don't know if I'm even from your planet. You know, I have no idea because I'm so covered up with so many different gadgets and gizmos from all these different creatures and different living entities, especially CIA and all you people who mess me up. You know, I'm telling you right now, reaction is coming. Mother Earth is, I'm going to say French, is pissed off. She's mad at all these because I know. Because when I go on my nature walks and I put my right hand in her spring and I say the monsters to have all the goddesses of all the holy rivers and waters of the creation come and heal me, I hear Mother Earth screaming and crying and feeling so much pain. I actually can, because I'm an empath, you can't believe how much pain I feel in the forest from these trees and life because everything is being destroyed by these demons that are taking over this planet and controlling it. And they think that your dinner and dessert, that, but they're really mistaken because Yogeshwar is the supreme mystic. And by my praying, I know somehow he has put a bubble around all my friends and all the second and third mm -hmm. generation and first generation devotees who are sincere and who really love God because there is a God, he's going to give everybody their fair due because he's got it all arranged for all he is. So please get your acts together. Now is the time. Something is coming. I'm an empath, a very powerful empath. And I know and I feel the energy is coming. 
and everything is peaceful and loving right now. The energy is so wonderful. But if you persist on doing the slaughter of eating everything that poops on this planet, I mean, I put you all out to lunch. You're all out of my realm of consciousness, out of my love, out of my bubble, all of you, everything. I've only got one wish in my mind, but now I've got stage four cancer. I'm dying of that. And right now, my focus is getting out of this material world. And I have renounced everything. I renounce all of you. I renounce praying and everything for everybody and everything. I've only asked Krishna for one prayer and to give me only one wish. And that's what I think of him at the time of my demise when I leave. And all arrangements have already been made for my leaving. Everything has been arranged by sincere friends and true friends, because you both are my true friends, you know, and so many of these are my true friends. But so many of these are these wolves in sheep's clothing. And you're out there. I know you are. I feel you. I feel your energy. I feel your frequency. You know, you can't hide from a very powerful empath or whatever I am. I have no idea. I'm just going on what I hear and what people say about me. But I don't know who I am, except that I have this energy. <laughs> and I can go on and on like an energizer. I'm 73, and you can check my vitals and my physical being. I am the healthiest 73-year-old Vietnam veteran that anybody at the VA hospital has ever seen. My doctors are so impressed. They're so amazed. And it all do because I don't eat the things that poop. And I haven't eaten anything that poops for 51 years. And look at me. Look at me. So you can't tell me that I'm protein. You got to have this, that, and the other thing. I'm sorry for the preaching. But, you know, I got carried away. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are supposed to ask questions. You're not supposed to let me go on We're just waiting for our time. (laughs) Okay, now is your time. All right. Sorry, everybody. I just got carried away. Shanka Prabhu. This is the nectar, Shanka Prabhu. Thank you. Seriously, you've given us so much right off the bat. I just need to get my bearings straight and figure out, okay, where am I going to pick up from? (laughs) (laughs) You know, something that's um, surfaced for me and everything that you've said is that you really have this special connection with nature and i'm i'm fascinated by that i mean just going back to what you said in the beginning not only that a plant whose flower is offered to krishna is is becomes a human being in the next life but you're 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 planting these seeds like they're your own children and you're 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 seeing every seed that you plant as you know you're birthing a, a new devotee in, in the next life. And it's just giving me so much insight and emotion to the service that you're doing all around the community. You, you, you volunteer to, um, you know, do people's landscaping and plant their flowers and gardens. And, uh, and one thing that you told me recently, when you found out you had stage four cancer, you said you don't even want to get paid for that anymore. And, um, and then how you're saying how you can feel the pain of the earth and that you're, you're an empath. I mean, this is all um, 
really deep and um, I'm just learning so much of your sensibility as a, as a human being and as a devotee to, to see under so many layers of uh, just kind of the superficial existence that most people live by. And um, you're just in touch with all these incredible dimensions and, uh, and it's all connected to your, to your heart. You know, it's not just, oh, I have this ability. This is all your heart and your love for every living creature out there. Um, and always directly connected with Krishna. All you want to do is for people to get to know Krishna. And, you know, I just think about when I see you at the temple and you're always giving your very special blessing. Give us the special blessing, Shankar Prabhu. How does Krishna it go? The blessing originated from Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Another story. Check it out. Majulila 12. Somewhere in the 20s, there's a story. Now, let me tell you what happened. What transpired about this blessing that I give. It started up in New Vrindavan. Way back in 2000. I went to New Vrindavan in 2000. Stayed in 2010. So while I was there in New Vrindavan, I would uh, I was the head cook, and uh, I would come out on the Sunday feast after the morning program, and there would be assembled, you know, hundreds of Indians, you know, from all over America coming to this holy dom, and I would get up there and say, "Well, I'm the head cook, and I need twenty people to help me cut up the Sunday feast." So all these, all these Indians would come, all 20 would come. I would get them all situated and set up. And then I would give each one of them an embrace. I will put an apron on them. And then I would give them the blessing, Krishna Matir Asu. Now, I never knew where the blessing came from, how I died or how it transpired, why I was giving it to all these Indians every time they came to the kitchen. So anyways, making a long story short, maybe two years ago, I was out in the Fabian area of Alachua Temple here, and uh, a devotee walked by, and a friend of mine, so I gave her or him, wherever he was, I gave him the blessing. I said, Krishna, Matir Asur, and touched his head. And on the side of me, there was a Prabhupada disciple sitting in a chair. And he came up to me, and he said, who are you to give blessings? You're not a guru. You're not a sannyasi. I don't see you as anyone warranting the gift of giving blessings. So I scratched my head. You know, I said, holy cow. I've been giving this blessing for what now 14 years. And I've been doing it wrong. So I freaked out. So in the morning, I went to the temple. I got in front of Krishna and Balaram Yogeshwar, and I told him my story and what my problem was. And then I turned around, and there was Mahadhan Mohan. So we lost one. Yes, hopefully she'll come back. So Mahadhan Mohan, well, should I keep speaking? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. She should sign back in. So anyway, so Madame Mohan said, well, let's check the database. So 
he got to the database. And what do you think we saw? We checked it out. Krishna Martyr Astu. Boom, 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 boom. It came up in six spots. But what was significant was, like I was saying, Madhya Lila 12, the origination of this blessing. And why I, Shankadash, can give this blessing to whoever I want. And I don't care what anybody says, because this is what the Chaitanya character Risa said. Anyways, the story is, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was walking down the streets of Navadu, and off in the distance he saw Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming forward with a humongous kirtan. He ran up to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and in those days, the greeting was, Om Narayana Maha. So he said that to Lord Chaitanya, and Lord Chaitanya, I forgot what the story goes, you read it. He embraced him and said, no, Sarvabhoma, the proper blessing is Krishna Matir Astu. So this blessing comes from the mouth of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now all of you are his children. He is our father. So as children of the father, we are allowed to do as the father is doing. If my father, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, can give that blessing and tell Sarvabhoma that's the proper blessing, then I too will do that blessing. Now to go to the purport. Aha! Because I see the Prabhupada says that every Sanyasi is supposed to give this blessing to whoever he sees. Those are the words of my spiritual master. My spiritual master speaks the truth. Every word he says is spiritual. And anybody who can change that, well, I'm not going near you. So, what's, what's the meaning? I don't know if we've mentioned it yet. What meaning? The translation of the blessing. Well, lady, the transgression of the blessing is, may you always remember Krishna. That Evil. Is blessing. That is the blessing. <laughs> Isn't that cool, guys? Isn't that cool? That's a cool blessing. It really is. I mean, I, I roll on it. And I can say it to Krishna, too. I just say, Krishna, Mataraju, and then I say, may you always remember Jesus. And of course, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. He's the way, light, salvation. But that sixth command, we get back to that again, folks. Eating the poop. Mm -mm -mm, <laughs> that's the sixth commandment. You're breaking it, so you're not following the laws of God. Sorry. Okay, now back to your questions. Well, I have another question, but I don't know if Amrita Kaley, you want to go next. You got you got one? Yeah, I'm really Kaylee asked a question. She's just been sitting there laughing and smiling and, and enjoying the conversation. I am relishing it. You know, you had mentioned um, that when you, when you, that, that the second and third generation of devotees, you know, where, where have they come from? And you said they could have been a flower offered, you know, on Krishna's ear, like behind Krishna's ear. And I thought that was so, so beautiful and such an incredible way of seeing the, how you see the second and third generation of this movement. And I'm just um, asking you, 
for a bit of advice for us, you know, um, some words of encouragement for us about how we can continue to to share this movement and to please Srila Prabhupada in a way that um, you think would be pleasing. Well, I think it would be pleasing to Srila Prabhupada if you all opened up your hearts. Open up your heart. I mean, really open up your heart to Krishna. Feel the love and the compassion. And I'm telling you, for all you three hostas, you are the fortunate ones right now. And you are the ones that are blessed with the third generation or second generation. But that love of family, that is the secret of understanding real love of God. You know, that child is so innocent, so connected to purity and love, that love that there's no words for. You cannot explain, you cannot say, a word love to indicate what God is all about. There's no words, there's only the feeling, only the energy, only the frequencies that come from Krishna mystically. There's all up to us to, as parents, because I'm a parent, I have three children and two grandkids. And uh, I can say that, yes, family life has, has shown me love that now, especially now, especially with my daughter and my son and my grandkids, I, I'm seeing that that love that they generate, family, is really, really, really connecting me more and more to the real love that Krishna is giving us as we are his prakriti, as he is, he is our master and Lord. And that love is coming for everybody. Everybody has the same energy I have. You know, as far as Krishna consciousness, wherever I revolve to, everybody has the same potential, except maybe not, you know, they've done so many things to me, it's hard to say, you know, what kind of DNAs and things they've shot into me and done so many things to do to me, you know, but that's all in the past, and now we should all focus on loving each other, we're all brothers and sisters in this now, we all are brothers and sisters. We have to love each other and care for each other and fighting and bickering and thinking we know better than Srila Prabhupada. Well, anybody who thinks they know better than Srila Prabhupada, then I'm sorry for you. I really am sorry for you. I'm not going to go any further than that because I'm not a guru or a sannyasi or anybody who's warranted any kind of spiritual understanding. You all go beyond me with your charisma and your talk and the way you present stories from the scriptures. Prabhu, I, I, I'm just not there. Okay. <laughs> I want to thank you so much. I think this is an incredibly valuable point for us that to understand love for God, we have to start at home. Right. You know, to, I mean, you know, we know that it pleases Srila Prabhupada to share Krishna consciousness with strangers and to spread this movement. But if we're, if we're not doing it at home, if we're not loving, you know, the, the people around us the best we can, then, um, th then I think we're missing something very important. And I, I love that you're reminding us of that. It's very powerful. 
it is powerful that you know the family is the key to loving loving God. That's why the Prihasa Ashram was there. You know, even the Satyas had had their you know women, you know, and and like that, you know. So we're just very fortunate that right now we have been given some scripture and we have given some understanding of who God is and who we are. And especially the second and third generation, you all have a mission as you are children of Krishna, born at Krishna's feet, because your mom and pop, listen to this, you second generation, third generation, your mom and pop, even though they did what they did, maybe they did so many things by, you know, just neglecting you and throwing you in schools and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, still, the first generation, second generation, third generation, you're all Krishna, Krishna's children. And I love you all. I care for you all. I prayed for you all. I've done everything I can possibly do for you. I've cooked the Sunday feast every Sunday. Every Sunday, no questions asked. Even if I have to do it alone, I do it alone. I do it with the whole heart feeling I'm pleasing Krishna and by pleasing Krishna, I'm pleasing all of you. And as a result, you can all attest to it that every Sunday for the last 11 years, the feasts have been off the charts and they've always been (laughs) different. Everyone's different. It's just the way it is for a professional chef like myself, you know, and and I'm employing all of you who are listening, please. Contact Mother Mukia. I need a replacement team to take over for mm. me. I need you to come and learn. I am going to, as the cancer progresses, I'm going to get into my third cookbook, the quantity cookbook. And this cookbook will have also have my autobiography in it. So it'll be a, the completion of my mission on your planet. And you know, I really just get with Mukia and come and learn firsthand. Stir the pot, you know, if you're initiated, you know, let you stir the pot, you know, and let you roll with learning how to really cook with, with an open my, heart for Krishna. Because my, my experience, yeah. um, I don't do it too often. I should do it more, but you taught me and helped me cook halva on one of the festival days and it was one of the highlight spiritual experiences of my life you you just infused me with the whole love and and spiritual process that it is to cook for krishna and for the devotees and it was really a a very special experience and you know i i want to thank you for your years of service as, as a cook and this mass quantity cooking i mean it's just incredible to me how how that's done and that you've done it you know with very little assistance a lot of times you're always there in the kitchen cooking for the devotees and you know it's 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 inspiring so yes i hope we can put together a nice replacement team for you soon um i wanted to um there's so many things i want to touch base um topics that are coming up um i just got to ask you a a little bit more about this the special love that you have 
for the, the younger generation devotees. Where is that coming from? You're always, you know, glorifying the next generation devotees. You're always giving out your love for them. Where does that come from? And, and what's in your heart and in your mind when you, you talk so sweetly about it? Comes it comes from hearing. When you go to the temple, you know, before the tiny temple, there would be special days, Vishambar, you know, so many nice Kirtanis, the Mayapuris, they would get there and they would open up their hearts singing and glorifying Krishna with song. And it touched my heart so much that they could, they, they had so much love in their heart and they're so, they're so connected to Krishna. Like I've never seen the first generation. I mean, their connection is not like, like we experience. It, it's, it's mystical. When Vishambar roars off and says, Harjadasham and singing a melody flowing through the creation. You understand that sound vibration travels through the whole creation as far as I know from the scriptures. So when you chant the holy name with an open heart, that's what I found with the second generation, the third generation. Your hearts are really open, but because the first generation neglected you, put you in schools and abandoned you, and then you had to go through all the things that, that you're not supposed to have gone through as children of God. You know, you had to be abused in so many different ways by these so-called, you know, devotees, you know, whatever, you know, and it's just, it sickens me to hear that, and it, it hurt me so much to hear how you guys, you second generation were the ones that had to endure and suffer so much. For what reason? What reason? I didn't send any, I didn't abandon any of my kids. Whatever Gokul way went to, I was there with them. You know, I, 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 I still follow Prabhupada's instructions, but I didn't abandon my children. They should be thankful I didn't do that. You know, but, you know, so many of you second generations were abandoned and then you were sexually abused, physically abused, mentally abused in so many different ways, you know, and I mean, why? Why? I always ask Krishna every time I first came out, I would be going in front of Krishna and I would ask him, why? Why does your children have to suffer like this from, uh, from, from, from your own children, how is, why? And I never got an answer because let see, I go in front of the deities and I pray, but I never get an answer directly. I just get some kind, whatever I pray for it manifests somehow, sometime in the future. Yeah, so anyways, that's my feeling for the second, third generation. So it saddened me, but you know, I see it, you know, you, your tattoos, everything you're doing is for, betterment of your life yeah it's cool <laughs> it's hard to put an answer to that question but i i just appreciate that you know you you're really feeling the the suffering of the the younger generations that have gone through that and you're i'm sure giving a lot of closure to a lot of these younger devotees to hear a senior devotee like yourself feeling so much love and empathy for them so thank you for that um, 
I want to ask you, you always refer to Krishna as Yogeshwar. Why do you, why are you so attached to that particular name? Well, I, then I have to tell you the story, okay? <laughs> My, how I came to Krishna consciousness and how I came in contact with Yogeshwara, the Supreme Mystic. Mm. You know, every, I'm not going to go into my life, but it was a horrible one between Vietnam, okay? So I'm in this situation. I'm in my room, in my house, my apartment rather. So knock, knock on the door. The door, I open the door and there's my brother. My brother, he was in the Marine, but he was my younger brother. And he had a book under his arm, he had a shaved head. And he didn't have devotee clothes on, but he was dressed up. Anyways, he came, he, he was ready to embrace me. He says, well, I can't embrace you. And I cannot come in your house. There's too much evil because I was involved with some New England witches and I'm a warlock. Well, so many things, so many. Anyways, so he said, what I'm going to do is see, in the early days, it was an Ishopanishad. Remember Prabhupada's first mm -hmm. Ishopanishad? And Vishnu was in the causal ocean, halfway up in his forearm form in a pinkish type of photograph, picture. He pulled out four of these. And he said, put one on each wall in your room. This will get rid of all the negative energy in your room and keep the negative energy from entering while you're going to read this book. And he gave me Prabhupada's Krishna book. Mm -hmm. And then he said, now that you got this book there, how would you like to go on a mystical journey to see Sri, Sri Yogeshwara, the Supreme Mystic. That's where I heard his name. That was December 1970. As soon as I heard the name Yogeshwara, boom, I was immediately attracted. Unconsciously, unknowingly, I automatically became attracted to I'm a warlock, you know, I was attracted to mysticism and magic, you know, all those things I could do, you know, I love it, I love it, <laughs> so I got involved, so here I am, so that night, I was sitting in my room, you know, and I had the Krishna book in my left hand, and then my right hand, I had three trips of orange, sunshine, LSD, and I had the Krishna book in my other hand. And so I had soft music playing. I had incense going. And I had candles going in the room. I took all the meat and all the horrible things in my refrigerator and threw it all out, got rid of all of that. I kept my drugs. You know, I kept all the bottles of marijuana and everything I had up in the shelf. You know, I kept all that. So I'm sitting there in the middle of my room now. So I'm contemplating. So what should I do? So, of course, being a drug addict, I took the three trips of LSD, and then I opened up the Krishna book. And I started reading George Harrison's introduction. Mm -hmm. I read the first paragraph, very good. And then things started getting blurry and moving around. So <laughs> I stopped reading the Krishna book. And then this is when, for me, I got, you know what a mist is, right? A fog. Well, you know the fine yeah. particle, that very fine particle of water in a, in a fog. Well, one of those fine particles, Yogeshwara, the supreme mystic, gave me mystical visions. He opened up a door to a spiritual realm that I'm about to tell you. So as soon as I flipped, 
the Krishna book pages to the first painting, I look at the painting under the influence of free trips of LSD and everything in the painting came out, trees, grass, Lord Shiva, Lord Brahma, Lord Krishna. And then by some reason or another, not knowing, not ever reading the Krishna book, a whole pastime went on all around me in living color and sound. Every page I flipped, everything came out and this all went on for eight hours straight without stopping. So finally, maybe three or four days later, my brother comes to my house and this time I open the door and he says, oh my Lord, what has happened? There's, I don't feel any evil presence in your house. I feel different now. So he embraced me and then I told him my story. And he said, now we have to do penance and austerity because you have just tasted a fine particle of Yogesh Varus mystic energy. I said, yeah, I know. So what do we do? He said, what we're going to do, this is December 1970, in the middle of winter in Worcester, Massachusetts now. Our austerity was we were going to hitchhike from Worcester, Massachusetts to the Canadian border and back in the middle of winter. So we packed up clothes and everything, food, you know, and we hit the road and we did. Every, every city we went to at night, we would sleep in the churches, you know, in the pews at night, sheltered from the winter because they didn't lock them up in those days, you know? So, you know, so we made it. Halfway up to New Hampshire, you know, we hitchhiked halfway up to us. We actually really did it. You know, we really went to some austerity. So anyways, a state trooper pulls up behind us. And he gets out of his car. He's all bundled up with his cowboy hat, you know. And he said, boys, what are you doing hitchhiking in the middle of winter when it's 10 below zero? So we told him our story. Not telling him about the LSD trip or anything. We're telling him we're on a mission of God. And we didn't say Christian. We said Jesus because we knew he could understand Jesus. And then we talked and talked. And then finally the state trooper said, well, boys, I can't arrest you. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to say the French, but you get home. <laughs> okay, so then we then we hitchhiked back to Worcester, Massachusetts, and then the first week of January, 1971, me and my brother got on a bus at Worcester, Massachusetts, and we got off in Boston, and we walked into the Commonwealth Avenue Boston Temple. I guess it was Commonwealth Avenue, whatever it was. We walked into the Boston Temple in January 1971. Satya Rupa and Jaya were there, not Sanyaki, but he was the temple president. And there was also another Jari, and I believe Priyananda might have been there too. I don't remember where all the people were there, but we were all a happy gathering. We were, we were a happy gathering in Boston. We had the greatest time. I mean, the only thing I remember that was so significant was that every morning they would put the wax paper in front of us and then in Nungo Manjari, they made this porridge every morning and then we just slap it on this wax paper. We would just take our hands and <laughs> you know, that's another story, but I'm not gonna go any further than that. But anyways, that's for enjoyable days.
And I'm going to tell you a little secret. When I, when, I, when I went to Laguna Beach in 73, when I actually became a devotee, the thing that I loved the best is that they always locked up the evening offering, the 6.30 offering. So in the morning, I had the key. I would go in there, and every morning, I would take two puris, and I would fill them with halibut and roll it up, and I would just go into a closet, and I would sit there, just standing up, I would just eat those two pori and halibut, gobbling down, and then I would fall asleep, standing up inside this closet. <laughs> anyway, that was my, that was the thing, that, well, that was my favorite pastime. Laguna yeah. Beach. Thus, the, se the seed was planted for you one day becoming Krishna's cook. I guess it was both your days for a lifetime. Yeah. Wow. So, Wonderful. any more questions? Or we can go on for as long as you want. I'm having a good time. Actually, I I'm fascinated that your brother is the person who introduced you to Krishna consciousness. Did he continue to practice? I don't know where he is. We've departed in, in New Year '73. I told him I'm going. I'm received from. We stayed in Boston for three months. Then we blew for two years. The bloop. Anyway, there's all all those are all stories. More so many stories. Anyways, I I rejoined the Hare Krishna's in '73, January '73, and and Laguna Beach. So I told my brother at that point. I said, "Well, I'm going to the temple." And I told my girlfriend, and he. And I said, "Well, this is your thing. You coming well or not? You may even want to come." So. I walked into the, the Laguna Beach Temple, and what do you think I saw? Sitting there honoring Prasadam, Swag Damodar, the scientist, Swag Damodar, was sitting there. He was a brahmachari, honoring Prasadam. And I walked up to him and I bowed down in front of him and I said, I have come here to surrender my life to Prabhupada and Krishna. And then he said, You see that room over there? Go over and wash pots. That's what I did when I was first in Laguna Beach. That's all I did is the voice wash pot. Classic. I pot to wash. Come wash the pot. <laughs> and then I went to pot washer. And then both okay. of them went to cook. And then one day he was so merciful to me. He said, Shankadas, it's time you learn how to cook. And guess what? The first thing he taught me how to make ghee in the oven and then yogurt. And then he gave me. What made me a cook today, he taught me how to make samosas. And then after I learned how to make samosas from Boja days, I became a cook in Krishna consciousness. So I've been cooking since 1973. Hari Krishna food offered to Krishna. <laughs> Can't beat that, huh? I'm almost up there with McDonald's, I guess, huh? And how many parts of the I'm not distributed? How many beasts I've cooked for? How many hundreds of thousands of people I've cooked for? You know, I've, I've, got, I've got amazing stories. I've worked in four or five Govindas, Mukundas, you know. I I helped cook for the first Rathiatra in Geneva, Switzerland with Harvey Cage. I mean, I mean I've, I've been all over the world doing cooking for Krishna. I worked in, in Stockholm, Sweden, restaurant Govindas, you know, for so many months. You know, and I learned cooking on Sadhana and learning the, the ins and outs of cooking. And 
became who I am today. I'm a very good cook and a very good gardener. I just have so much knowledge to give. Now, you guys got to come and get it. Uh-huh. I'm done reaching out yeah. for you all. You got to come now. You want some knowledge. You got to get in the phone and call me and make sure make an appointment. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated not only by... Um, you know, on a material standpoint, you're you're such an experienced career cook. But not only that, it's this has been a major part of your own spiritual practice and, and way back to back to God is through this this cooking process. And you know, I admire how I mean for me I have such an aversion to washing pots, but how you were able to just submit you know, when you first joined to, to do that, and then eventually they taught you how to make ghee, and then you've been the top top chef in many temples for decades now. So, yeah, I, I just love uh, seeing those parallels, how something may seem like a material thing. As you mentioned in the beginning, you know, you, you recently found out that you have stage four cancer. And um, first of all, I wanted to ask you, you know, how are you feeling? Are you, are you in any kind of pain? Um, and, uh, and then maybe you can tell us about how this has affected you in your, in your life and how do you see your, you know, your time ahead with regards to this and, and in, your, in your relation to, to Krishna consciousness and this, this whole process? Well, you know, I, I'm, it's, I have the stage four cancer and it's spreading, and I am accepting it. As Maharaj Parikhik, he accepted the fact that he had seven days before the snake bird was going to bite him. He was aware of that, and as a result of that, he prepared. So I am, in the same instance, am preparing myself as well for the leaving this material world. And I have to really say that Bhadra and Anangamujari and their family have relieved me of fears and, and anxiety that I might have had. Bhadra came up to me a week or so ago and said that Shankadas, your cremation is covered. Shankadas, after 10 days, your feast is covered. And I'm having my ashes taken to Mayapur, to the Ganges, where Janadeva and, uh, I mean, the two brothers there serving Lord, Lord Nishingadeva, I hopefully will do the ceremony for me with Bhadra and whoever else. So that's Bermudity. The VA is taking care of me. They've started me on a chemo pill, which I just stopped. I am no longer going to take any more radiation treatments of any kind. Mm-hmm. I've got a living will. My, in my living will, I specifically have said that I do not want to be put on any life support. I do not want any catheters of any, any way involved in me. I want no catheters. And I want to be in hospice in a nice situation like I did for Kitani the Ryan. I found that was very comforting. I don't want to really no, I would rather be in an open place like hospice where people can come from all around, not just as a bullies, you know, and, and they can come and they can circumambulate the beds and they can pay their respects, you know, and and you know, because 
you know, I love everybody. I care for everybody, but you no, know, I'm on my journey now. We're all on our own journeys, aren't we? Everybody's mm-hmm. on their own journey. No one's going with you. Your siblings, nothing is going with you. But I do know this, and I feel this in my heart, that every soul that I've taken under my protection or my bubble of mysticism, I can say that I will always be with them for eternity because the soul is part of God. We're part and parcel, and because we're all part and parcel, when we come together, we we, we become that part of God that we are. So for me, I'm very thankful for all of you who have gone out of their way to you know, give me blessings and, mm-hmm. and you know, to feel what I'm feeling, you know, because my compassion is for all of you and love for you. But, you know, now it's, I got to dive into myself. Mm-hmm. I got to mm-hmm. look to me now. I've given everything I can to you guys. You know, I'm slowly getting out of the kitchen, you know, so you got to step up and get your team together. And I'm working on myself now, you know doing a lot of good things, you know, to to make my journey end very comfortable and peaceful, you know. That's we pray the way that for it goes. you. And my mission, pardon? We Go pray ahead. that for you, that you're that you're surrounded by devotees that you love and that um, your departure is beautiful and peaceful. I I um Prabhu, I'm I'm just really humbled by by everything that you've shared with us today um you had said that you will be with us um after you leave and i and i think every time someone um enjoys the sunday feast prasadam you know um you we you will be with us we're we're going to be um very much feeling your separation and and so much gratitude for you I want to ask if there's um, a way that we can serve you now. Way you can serve me now? Yes. Is to, I don't know, just send love vibes and chant Hare Krishna. That's all. And take care of your family and your husband, my friend. And you take care of Amrita is taking care of his family so nicely and they have such a beautiful daughter. She's so connected to Krishna and so loved by you by you, Narma Amrita. I'm so impressed with you and your wife and all the people who come here to help your beautiful daughter, you know, because she's special. She's got special gifts. Mm-hmm. And she's got a love for you that, you know, there's no words that can, that's why I'm saying family. Family brings tears to my eyes. You know, nothing else really brings tears to my eyes anymore. It's family and mm-hmm. true friends. Right? It's very hard to find a true friend in this world, you know, because I've had a lot of friends. I did have one true friend, I guess. He was a nice friend, but he got blown up in a thousand pieces in a jeep in Vietnam, so so much for that one. But, you know, everybody's going through something, isn't it? We all go through something, but just all these pleas. Just take the real, open up your hearts to Krishna. That's all I'm saying. Open up your hearts. And if you're really, really, really serious, this is a good thing for you. Now, I say this to all people that come across. How would all of you like to drink 
from the well of eternal life. And by drinking, you will attain complete peace, happiness, and fulfillment of all your dreams and everything you ever wanted in this creation. I can do that for you right now. And this is how you drink from the well of eternal life. You make this vow every day that you will do this for eternity. You will start off with one round every day. Now, this is this not a jumbo-jumbo round. This is a round where you take your bath. And after you take your bath, you change your clothes. And then you drink a tall glass of lime water and flush yourself out. Clean the inside. And then you sit in front of your altar. And you take your bead bag. And if you're with your husband, you take your husband with you and your children. And you sit in front of your geese. And you chant. The Maha Mantra, with all of your understanding of the mantra, hearing every syllable perfectly, just one round, one, start off with one. If you can do one perfect round, I can guarantee you that you will be drinking from the well of eternal life more and more, and the rounds will increase, because that's all I can do for it. I've done it. I brought you to the well of eternal life. You can drink it or you can pass it by. Like you take a horse to water, you can't make him drink it. So now there's the well of eternal life. You chant one perfect round every day for the rest of your life. That's drinking from the well. And then from there, you will progress in Krishna consciousness and your rounds will increase as Krishna is taking over your life. Not me, not what I have said, but what Krishna has promised us in Bhagavad Gita. Surrender to him and he'll gag. He's got you. Just surrender. Just chant one round. I mean, there's not one he is out there that can't chant one round every day. 10, 15 minutes out of your 24-hour day. I'm not telling you to chant 16 rounds to go all crazy. I'm telling you, do one good round first. Get the real essence of Krishna consciousness. Chant that pure round, and then you will be like this beautiful mother here with her beautiful child, <laughs> feeling the love of Krishna consciousness through family. Isn't it, Maria Kelly? Isn't it? You get the smile on your face. You're feeling so much love in your child. I see it. I can see your tears. I can feel your emotions. And we're not even near each other. We're so far away. So it's. I want to thank you so much. That was an amazing um, final gift you've given us on how we can drink from the, the well of eternal existence by just one perfect round sitting in our temple room in front of Krishna and really meditating on the meaning of the holy name as, as we understand it. And uh, this has been really an incredible time uh, that we got to spend with you. Thank you so much for taking yes. the time. And um, I really, we, we have all of our prayers going out to you for good, uh, good health uh, as much as possible and that you will 
keep happy and showering the rest of the world with with your love of Krishna and your amazing compassion and empathy. Thank you so much for joining us on Nectar Talks. It's been a real well, thank honor. you too for having me on, and I hope I haven't offended anybody. But if I have, please forgive me. Hari bol, everybody. Chant the whole. Hare Krishna. Hari bol. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.